Hello and welcome to Speak the Words, a Cosmere podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Mango. And this is a podcast where I am slowly but surely walking Mango through the story of the Stormlight Archive and some other uh, related Cosmere works. Mango, we're going to jump right into it because there's going to be some, uh, hopefully some cool stuff happening this week. I think it's cool. Um, I don't remember what happened yeah, last time. That's what I, yeah, that was my next question. Um, I can tell you that uh, we saw a Shalon viewpoint. Did we see viewpoints from everybody? We saw Shalon, Adolin, and Kaladin. Oh, so we met, um, all right, let's start with Shalon. Shalon just kind of continued traveling. Um, she's just kind of moving, heading towards the Shattered Plains. Um, she learned from Pattern that uh, he believes that she's going to kill him. And he says that the knights killed their spread when they broke their oaths. But it wasn't necessarily intentionally. Yeah, he says that he didn't think they intended to do it, but that it's going to happen regardless. Um, she also implies that at, at one point she changed the way she looked in some way. Um, what? Like, uh, she says that um, when she was talking with Tavlakiv, her dress changed. Like, all the scuffs and rips were gone. But then they were back. Oh, that's what you meant. I thought you meant, yeah. like, in her past, she, like, changed no, no, her no, physical no. appearance. But it's just, like, it, it's lightweight. Yeah, she it's started glowing. And um, her clothes no longer had rips. And then over time, they got the rips back again. Yeah. I, I will say it It wasn't that they the rips were actually fixed. It, it's illusions. Um. Mm. Uh, like she did something similar on the boat where uh, they were breaking into the room and she used Stormlight to make a figure of herself run down the hallway. Um, so she can kind of do il illusory things. Um, and that was kind of what she made her dress look different, but it wasn't really different. And it wasn't intentional. Yeah, she didn't do it on purpose. She can't control it really yet. Um, we had a chapter where Adeline dueled. You just beat the shit out of a guy. Um, yep. And really a lot of that was Adolin has a very interesting way of looking at his shard blade where he kind of sees it more as a, um, he, he doesn't feel like he owns it. It's just something that is kind of along for the ride and will outlive him and uh, requires a, or, or um, deserves a certain respect. Yeah. It's not something he owns. It's something he's has the, privilege to use mm -hmm. and he thanks the blade for helping him and then in Kaladin's chapter Kaladin we met Zahel oh yeah I forgot what the other guy's name is uh Vasher Vasher yeah it, Vasher it's in Vasher. disguise um also the rest of Kaladin's viewpoint was just him hating um Amaram Amaram mm -hmm. All my homies hate Yeah, that was fun. I hope you're ready to hang also, out. Also, where did Vasher get a rocket ship? Where did Vasher get a rocket ship? That's a good question. And I don't have an <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hopefully one day I will. Somehow he got to a different planet. This week, we're going to be starting on chapter 18. It's titled Bruises. 
It has Kaladin symbol, and the epigraph reads, Scholar form shown for patience and thought. Beware its ambitions innate. Though study and diligence bring the reward, loss of innocence may be one's fate. From the listener song of listing, 69th stanza. <laughs> Yo, 69. Uh, <laughs> Yo. Kaladin and Lopin are guarding uh, Adolin and Renarin as they take instruction from Zahel. I just I love this exchange. New guys are coming along, Gancho, Lopin said, wearing their uniforms, talking like real men. Funny, it only took them a few days. Took us weeks. It took the rest of the men weeks, but not you, Kaladin said. You had a good attitude from the first day we found you, Lopin. Well, life was pretty good, you know. Pretty good? You'd just been assigned to carry siege bridges until you died on the plateaus. Eh, you have bad days, you have good days. Evens out eventually. You're a strange man, Lopin, Kaladin said, inspecting the food Lopin had been eating. What is this? Chowder. Chowder? Chowta. Herdazian food, gone. Good stuff. You can have a bite if you want. You shouldn't be walking around eating like that, Kaladin noted. It's rude. Nah, it's convenient. See, it's wrapped up good. You can walk about, get stuff done, eat at the same time. Slovenly, Kaladin said. Lopin leaves to carry out some orders, and Kaladin patrols the grounds and stops to observe Zahel and Renarin. You'll need to relearn how to fight wearing that plate. It changes the way a man steps, grips, moves, Zahel said. I... Renarin looked down. Why do you know so much about shard plates, Zahel? <laughs> well, he's an artist. He teaches people how to use it. How long has he been here? Good question. I will not need to relearn how to fight, Master. I never learned in the first place. Zahel grunted. That's good. It means I don't have to break down any old bad habits. Yes, Master. We'll start you off easily, then. There are some steps at the corner over there. Climb up onto the roof of the dueling grounds. Then jump off. Renarin looked up sharply. Jump? I'm old, son. Repeating myself makes me eat the wrong flower. Kaladin frowned, and Renarin cocked his head, then looked at Kaladin questioningly. Kaladin shrugged. Eat... what? Renarin asked. It means I get angry, Zahel snapped. You people don't have proper idioms for anything. Go! Renarin sprang to his feet, kicking up sand, and hustle hustled away. Your helmet, son, Zahel called. Renarin stopped, scrambled back, snatched his helmet off the ground, slipped, almost slipped onto his face as, do, as he did so, then spun off balance and ran awkwardly toward the stairs. He nearly, he nearly plowed into a pillar on the way. <laughs> Kaladin criticizes Renarin's clumsiness, but Zahel dismisses this and praises Renarin's attitude. He cut off as scraping from atop the building announced Renarin Colin charging and throwing himself off into the air. He sailed a good 10 or 12 feet out over the courtyard before floundering like a dying sky eel and crashing down into the sand. Zahel looked toward Kaladin, raising an eyebrow. What? Kaladin asked. Enthusiasm? Obedience? No fear of looking foolish? Zahel said. I can teach him how to fight, but those qualities are innate. This lad is going to do just fine. Assuming he doesn't fall on anyone, Kaladin said. Renarin climbed to his feet. He looked down as if surprised that he hadn't broken anything. Go up and do it again, Zahel called to Renarin. This time, fall head first. Renarin nodded, then turned and trotted off toward the stairwell. Zahel, I love the visual of Zahel talking to Kaladin and just fucking Renarin falling out of the sky behind them. Oh, for some reason, I did not internalize the fact that this was Renarin. Yeah. That was getting trained. Yeah, he's just like, jumping. I, I just didn't hear that part. Yeah, it's Renard. Zahel offers to train poor Kaladin. Thing. Yeah, poor, poor Renard. So many more ways than you can ever understand. Uh, Zahel offers Don't. to train Kaladin, but Don't. Kaladin declines. How dare you? Zahel tests. Are you planning on cutting that out of the no, audio? No, that's just a little tease, isn't it? Yeah. 
Look, the heads, uh, Mango, does anybody in this in these books have like a happy past or a happy thing going on with them? Either they've got a sad past or a sad future or both. <laughs> yeah. Renarin has one of those. Mm-hmm. Zahel tests Kaladin's abilities with a blunted shard blade to make sure he's ready to protect Adolin and Renarin. And they have these metal guards that they can put onto the edge of a shard blade and it will like melt onto the blade and make it blunt. Interesting. And they can remove it afterwards. Zahel lowered the sword. Behind him, Renarin dove face first off the roof and crashed into the ground. Well done, Prince Renarin, Zahel called without looking. Now do a few more jumps and see if you can land on your feet. Renarin rose and clinked off. Zahel raised the shard blade to strike at Kaladin, then dropped it and just smashed his fist into Kaladin's stomach. He followed it up with a punch to the face that sent Kaladin to the ground. Kaladin rolled, around, rolled to his feet and led Zahel all around the edge of the training grounds. Well, if this were a real assassination attempt, Zahel said, I'd be using different tactics. He dashed toward Renarin. Kaladin cursed, taking off after Zahel. Zahel skids to, a scop, eh, skids to a stop and swings back at Kaladin, slamming his shard blade against the spear. If the blade hadn't been dulled, it would have split the spear and hit Kaladin's chest. Nearby Arden to- oh my god, I'm really fucking everything up. A nearby Ardent tosses Kaladin in half a spear to replicate a real fight. Moash shows up and is like, yo, what the fuck is happening? Why are you swinging your shard blade at my boy? And starts to get involved, but if you are into like, yo, chill, dude, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Zahel swung, Kaladin slid beneath the strike, getting close enough to strike, and then Zahel kicked him in the face. Kaladin still managed to ram his fake spear into Zahel's leg as Zahel brought his shard blade down on Kaladin's neck. You're dead, son, Zahel said. You've got a spear through the leg, Kaladin said, puffing. You aren't chasing down Renarin like that. I win. You're still dead, Zahel said with a grunt. My job is to stop you from killing Renarin. With what I just did, he escapes. Doesn't matter if the bodyguard is dead. And what if the assassin had a friend? Another voice asked from behind him. Kaladin twisted to see Adolin in full plate and standing with his shard blade point stuck into the ground before him. If there were two of them, bridge boy, Cal- uh, Adolin asked with a smirk, could you fight two shard bearers at once? If I wanted to kill father or the king, I'd never send just one. Kaladin stood. He met Adolin's gaze. So condescending. So sure of himself. Arrogant bastard. All right, Zahel said. I'm sure he sees the point, Adolin. No need. Kaladin charged the princeling, and he thought he heard Adolin uh, chuckling as he put on his helm. Something boiled inside of Kaladin. The nameless shardbearer who had killed so many of his friends. Sadius sitting regally in red armor. Amaram, hands on a sword stained with blood. Adolin swings at Kaladin with his unguarded blade edge. Cal dodges the blow and smacks the flat edge of the blade away. He slammed his shoulder into Adolin, hurting his shoulder more than Adolin's plate, but forcing them both to the ground. Renarin crashes to the ground in the background. Kaladin slammed his weapon downward. Adolin heaved upward with one hand. Kaladin hits the ground a good eight feet away. Idiot, Zahel yelled. Kaladin groaned, rolling over. His vision swam. You could have killed the boy. He was talking to Adolin somewhere far away. He attacked me. Adolin's voice was muffled by the helm. You challenged him, fool child. Zahel's voice was closer. Then he asked for it, Adolin said. Pain. Somewhat at Kaladin's side. Zahel? You're wearing plate, Adolin. Yes, that was Zahel kneeling above Kaladin, whose vision refused to focus. You don't throw an unarmored sparring partner like he's a bundle of sticks. Your father taught you better than that. Kaladin sucked in sharply and forced his eyes open. Stormlight from the pouch at his belt filled him. Not too much. Don't let them see. Don't let them them take it away from you. 
Kaladin charged the prince again. Adolin panicked, reaching out to resummon his blade. Kaladin kicked the half-spear into the air as he ran, catching it mid-stride. Immediately, his strength left him. Adolin grabbed him by the arm, his blade dropping into his other hand. Zahel leveled a second blade at Kaladin's neck. You're dead, Zahel said from behind, holding the blade against Kaladin's skin. Again. Kaladin sank down in the middle of the practice grounds, dropping his half-spear. He felt completely drained. What had happened? Go give your brother some help with his jumping, Zahel ordered Adolin. Adolin left and Zahel knelt beside Kaladin. You, didn't fl you don't flinch when someone swings a blade at you. You actually have fought shardbearers before, haven't you? Yeah. You're lucky to be alive then. You've got tenacity. A stupid amount of it. You have good form, and you think well in a fight, but you hardly know what you're doing against shardbearers. I... What should he say? Zahel was right. Nothing broken here, Zahel said with a grunt. How are your ribs? They're fine, Kaladin said, lying back in the sand, staring up at the sky. Well, I won't force you to learn. I don't think I could force you, actually. Kaladin squeezed his eyes shut. He felt humiliated. But why should he? He'd lost sparring matches before. It happened all the time. You remind me a lot of him. Adolin wouldn't let me teach him either. Not at first. Kaladin opened his eyes. I'm nothing like him. Zahel barked a laugh at that, then stood and walked away, chuckling as if he'd heard the finest joke in all the world. Eventually, Sylv flitted over and landed on his chest. What happened? Kaladin asked. The stormlight drained from me. I felt it go. Who are you protecting? Sil asked. I... I was practicing how to fight, like when I practiced with Scar and Rock down in the chasms. Is that really what you were doing? Sil asked. He didn't know. He lay there staring at the sky until he finally caught his breath and forced himself to his feet with a groan. He dusted himself off, then went to check on Moash and the other guards. As he went, he drew in a little stormlight, and it worked, slowly healing his shoulder and soothing away his bruises. The physical ones, at least. And that's the end of the chapter. He can't use Stormlight to power him up if he's attacking someone without reason. That is, yeah, that 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 is uh, what it seems. Yes. Interesting. I love Zah. I love Asher so much. I just. Chapter nineteen: Safe Things. This has Shallan's flashback symbol on it, and it's five and a half years ago. Shallan is wearing a new silk dress, a gift from her father. The dress is that of a woman as she is now old enough to cover her safe hand. She starts to think of her mother, then stops, like a candle suddenly snuffed. Two maids bustle past, getting ready for guests. Shallan overhears one softly whisper. She saw. Poor thing was in the room when it happened. Hasn't spoken a word in five months. The master killed his own wife and her lover. Shallan thinks that because she does not speak... Apparently, the maids do not think she can hear her. She can hear either. At times, she wonders if she's invisible or not. The door suddenly slams open, and her brother Helleran enters. Grinning wide, he gives her a gift of charcoal pencils and thick, expensive paper. He has missed her drawings and asks her to practice more. He tells her she needs to be strong and that he needs her to look after the other brothers for him, as he needs to go away for a while. The door slams open again, this time admitting her father, Lindivar. I got word that you told the stable to prepare one of my carriages, Helleran, father bellowed. I'll not have you gallivanting off again. There are more important things in this world, Helleran said, more important than even you and your crimes. Do not speak that way to me, father said, stalking forward, finger pointed at Helleran. I am your father. You are a murderer, Helleran said calmly. Father stopped in place. He then continued forward. How dare you? You think I can't have you imprisoned because you're my heir? You think I... A shard blade dropped into Helleran's hand. Helleran was a shard bearer. Stormfather. How? When? Father cut off, pulling up short. 
The point touched father's chest. Father raised his hands to the sides, palms forward. You are a, v a vile corruption upon this house, house, Helleran said. I should shove this through your chest. To do so would be a mercy. Helleran, you don't know what you think you know. Your mother. I will not listen to your lies, Helleran said. So easy. No, Shallan whispered. Helleran cocked his head, then turned, not moving the sword. No, Shallan said. Please. You speak now, Helleran said, to defend him? He laughed. He whipped the sword away from father's chest. Father sat down in the dining chair, face still pale. How? A shard blade? Where? He glanced suddenly upward. But no, it's different. Your new friends? They trust you with this wealth? We have an important work to do, Helleran said, turning and striding to Shallan. He laid a hand fondly on her shoulder. He continued more softly. I will tell you of it someday, sister. It is good to hear your voice again before I leave. Don't go, she whispered. I must. Please, do some drawings for me while I'm gone. Of fanciful things. Of brighter days. Can you do that? She nodded. Farewell, farewell father, Helleran said, turning and striding from the room. Try not to ruin too much while I'm gone. The few ma uh, I will come back sporadically to check. Bright Lord Devar stood roaring. The few maids left in, left in the room fled out the side door into the gardens. Shallan shrank back horrified as her father picked up his chair and slammed it into the wall. He kicked over a small dining table, then took the chairs one at a time and smashed them into the floor with repeated brutal blows. Breathing deeply, he turned his eyes on her. Shallan whimpered at the rage, the lack of humanity in his eyes. As they focused on her, the life returned to them. Father dropped a broken chair and turned his back toward her, as if ashamed before fleeing the room. And that's the end Wait, of the chapter. so no one thinks that it was Shallan? Nope. Everybody thinks that her dad killed her mother. Huh. And somebody else. Yeah, and her... Apparently her mother's boyfriend or yeah, something? Yeah, it sounds like, yeah. And of course... Her father isn't going to be like, no, actually, it was Shalon. <laughs> Sorry, Shalon. Like. Yeah. And even if he did, I don't think they would believe him. Yeah, no, so. fucking, no way. No way. So he just deals with all his children hating him. Yeah, and he smashes chairs and shit. Yeah, Shalon doesn't come from a very good household. No! God, no! You her haven't dad even met the rest of her brothers smashes yet. smashes stuff. One of her brothers tortures what? animals. Oh yeah, we did see that last. We did see that last uh, in the last book. I forgot about that interlude. Yeah. Apparently, they're mean to her, or at least some of them are. Helleran seemed to to care for her, um, but he went out to do something. He uh, he had a shard blade. One of his new friends gave it to him. New friends. Yes. I want to know where she got hers and when. Because obviously mm -hmm. it was before this, and if she was only just barely considered a woman, then obviously she gained it as a child. Where did she get it? Good question. Uh, you'll have the answer eventually. Chapter 20, The Coldness of Clarity. This is Shallan's current day symbol. The epigraph reads, Art form applied for beauty and hue, one yearns for the songs it creates. Most misunderstood by the artist it's true, come the spren to foundation's fates. From the Listener Song of Listing, 90th stanza. Shallan's caravan arrives at the source of the smoke. Uh, at the la end of the last uh, part, or the last episode, um, I forgot to mention this. They were been following, like, some refugees or somebody, like another mm -hmm. caravan, and then they saw that they were on fire. The, like, the, the, the wagons were on fire. Yeah. In the distance. 
They arrive at the source of the smoke and they find burned wagons and the aftermath of a battle with corpses and some survivors. As Shalon and Tavlakiv debate whether to approach the burning wagons or flee, a woman from those wagons confronts them and notes the deserters chasing Shalon. Shalon offers the woman her protection, but she laughs and says Shalon can join her caravan to die as they now face two possible enemy groups. Because there's the, the deserters following Shalon and then these guys had run into bandits. So they're like boxed in now. Shalon sends Tavlakiv to the woman's caravan while she has Bluth, or Bluth drive her with a wagon toward the deserters to confront them. Using Stormlight to weave a disguise to make her appear noble, she speaks to the deserters. Bless the Stormfather that you're here, Shalon cried to the men. I need your help desperately. The group of deserters just stared at her. Bandits, they're attacking our friends in the caravan just two hills over. It's a slaughter. I said I'd seen soldiers back here moving toward the Shattered Plains. Nobody believed me. Please, you must help. Finally, the men shuffled uneasily and turned toward a man near the center. Bandits, you say, the man replied. Brightness, we aren't what you think we are. No, Shalon replied. You aren't what you think yourselves to be. The leader opened his mouth as if to give some order. Shalon cut him off. What is your name? I'm called Vatah, the man said, and I'll decide what to do with you later. Gaz, take this one and... What would you do, Vatah? <laughs> you recognize that name at all? Oh, he's alive? Mm, he's with these deserters, it seems. Why? Because he saw his fucking boss get strung up and was like, Kaladin is going to get me fucking killed. I'm out of here. <laughs> like, he's like, I, he's like, that bridge boy is going to kill me. And now he's turned against, uh, Shalon? Well, he's with these deserters. We don't know what's ha- going to happen with them yet. But, but he, he's, he's with this group here. What would you do, Vata? Shalon said in a loud voice, to erase the past. He looked back toward her. Would you protect instead of kill if you had the choice? Would you rescue instead of rob if you could do it over again? Good people are dying as we speak here. You can stop it. Those dark eyes of his seemed dead. We can't change the past. I can change your future. We're wanted men. Yes, I came here wanting men, hoping to find men. You are offered the chance to be soldiers again. Come with me. I will see to it you have new lives. Those lives start by saving instead of killing. Vata snorted. Bright lords have failed us in the past. Listen. Listen to the screams. Give yourself another chance, Shalon said softly. If you return with me, I will see that your crimes are erased. I promise it to you. By all that I have. Uh-huh. By the Almighty uh-huh. himself. You can start uh-huh. over. Start over as heroes. Vata held her eyes. She could see with a sinking feeling that he wasn't swayed. Vata looked away from her again, and she knew she'd lost him. He barked the order to take her captive. Nobody moved. You fools are considering this, Vata said. One man, a short fellow with a scarred face and an eye patch, nodded his head. I wouldn't mind starting over, he muttered. Storms, but it would be nice. I saved a woman's life once, another said. I felt a hero for weeks. Toast in the tavern, warmth, damnation. We're dying out here. We left to get away from their oppression, Vata bellowed. And what have we done with our freedom, Vata? A man asked from the back of the group. In the silence that followed, Shalon could hear only the screams for help. Storm it! I'm going, said the short man with the eye patch, jogging up the hill. Others broke off and followed him. Shalon turned, hands clasped in front of her, as nearly the entire group took off in a charge. Bluth stood up on his wagon, then his sh- on his wagon, his shocked face showing in the torchlight that passed. Then he actually whooped, jumping down from the wagon and raising his cudgel high as he joined the deserters charging toward the battle. 
Vata folded his arms, letting out an audible sigh. Idiots. Every one. They are not idiots for wanting to be better than they are, Shallan said. He snorted, looking her over. Who are you? he asked. Shallan Devar. Well, bright brightness, Shallan, he said. I hope for your sake you can keep your word. Come on, boys. Let's see if we can keep those fools alive. He left with the others who had remained behind, marching up over the hill toward the fighting. Shallan used all her stormlight so she stays out of the fighting. Pattern compliments Shallan on her ability to use words to transform people without using soul casting. Shallan draws a prayer glyph for hope and awaits the outcome of the battle. And that's the end of that chapter. Is this Katara? <laughs> chapter 21, Ashes. And this also has Shallan's symbol. The uh, epigraph reads, Meditation form made for peace, it said. Form of teaching and consolation. When used by the gods, it became instead form of lies and desolation. From the Listener Song of Listing, 33rd stanza. Shallan says a prayer for Bluth, who died fighting the bandits, though the bandits ended up being defeated. Oof. Shallan speaks with the caravan owner, Macab, and the lead guard, Tin. Shallan explains that she got the deserters to work for her and request the and ask the caravan to accompany them to the Shattered Plains. Wait, his Macabre name agrees... is Macab? Macab, yeah. And he was in a situation with lots of people dying. Oh, man, that's good. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that. That's good. That's good. Macab agrees to Shallan's request. Vata confronts Shallan. Well, Shallan asked him. Some of my men are dead, he said. They died doing a very good work, Shallan said, and the families of those who lived will bless them for their sacrifice. You don't look like you did before. Did my eyes mistake me? I saw a queen in the darkness. Now I see a child. Perhaps you saw what your conscience needed you to see. Fata leaned in. My men have done worse things than this. Out in the wilderness, we took. We killed. You think one night absolves us? You think one night will stop the nightmares? Shallan felt a hollowness in her stomach. If we go with you to the Shattered Plains, we're dead men. We'll be hanged the moment we return. My word, your word means nothing, woman, he shouted. You, sh you should let her go, Pattern said calmly from behind him. Vata spun, looking about, but they weren't near anyone in particular. Shallan spotted Pattern on the back of Vata's uniform as he turned. Who said that? Vata, Vata demanded. I heard nothing, Shallan said. You should let her go, Pattern repeated. Vata looked around again, then back at Shallan, who met his gaze with a level stare. She, she even forced herself out a smile. He let go of her and wiped his hand on his trousers, then retreated. That one will be trouble, Shallan said, rubbing the place where he'd gripped her. Is this a figure of speech? Pattern asked. No, I mean what I said. Curious, Pattern said, because I think he, is, he already is trouble. Tavlakiv confronts Shallan, and Shallan demands the non-parchment slaves in compensation for saving his life. Shallan frees the slaves, but offers to hire them as servants. Shallan watches as one of the women from the caravan offers a paper with a glyph of thanks written on it to Gaz, who accepts it and burns it as the rest of the caravan folks observe. And that's the end of the chapter. So Gaz has moved from Kaladin to Shallan's story. Interesting. Still a jerk. Still a jerk. Before we get into the next one, um, have some male fashion. Looks very aristocratic. Yes. Um, it reads, a page from a folio of fashion pages out of Leofor. The model, it should be noted, is Alethi, as this folio was intended for sale in the Alethi and Vedin markets. This next, uh, this next chapter is titled, uh, chapter, it's chapter 22, Lights in the Storm. Kaladin symbol. 
the uh, the epigraph reads: Storm form is said to cause a tempest of winds and showers. Beware its powers, beware its powers. Though its coming brings the gods their night, it obliges a blood red spren. Beware its end, beware its end. From the listener song of winds, fourth stanza. Kaladin sees a reddish glow through the shutters during a high storm while in King Elokar's quarters, but it vanishes before he can investigate it. Someone really needs to fix that loose shutter, King Elokar said, annoyed. Someone remind me to ask Nicole to see to it, Elokar said, pacing behind his couch. The shutter shouldn't leak. This is my palace, not a village tavern. We'll make sure it's seen to, Adolin said. He sat in a chair beside the hearth, flipping through a book filled with sketches. His brother sat in a chair next to him, hands clasped in his lap. He had gotten a small box out of his po- pocket and was repeatedly opening it turning it in his hand and rubbing one side, then shutting it with a click. He did it over and over and over. He stared at nothing as he did it. He seemed to do that a lot. Dalinar and Navani are nearby in a small side room. Kaladin studies a ruby heating, a ruby heating fabriel, which Renarin says was developed by Navani. Kaladin notices that the catalog Adolin is flipping through is filled with fashion. Fashion? Kaladin asked. He hadn't intended to speak, but it came out anyway. You're spending the high storm looking for new clothing? Adolin snapped the book closed. But you only wear uniforms, Kaladin said, confused. Do you need to be here, bridge boy? Adolin demanded. Surely nobody is going to come for us during a high storm of all things. The fact that you assume that is why I need to be here. What better time would there be for an assassination attempt? The winds would cover shouts and help that would be slow in coming when everyone has taken cover to wait out the storm. Seems to me this is one of the times when his majesty most needs guards. The king stopped pacing and pointing. That makes sense. Why hasn't anyone else ever explained that to me? After the storm ends, Dalinar and Navani exit the side room, and Dalinar reports that no mysterious numbers have appeared on the wall. Sometimes they come just after the storm, Kaladin said. I have men in the hall outside. I would prefer if everyone remained here for a short time. Dalinar nodded. As you wish, soldier. Behind, Renarin and Adolin approach their father. Anything new? Renarin asked softly. No, Dalinar said. The vision was a repeat, but they're not coming in the same order as last time, and some are new, so perhaps there is something to learn we have not yet discovered. Noticing Kaladin, he trailed off, then changed the topic. Dalinar asks Adolin about his progress in setting up more duels, and Adolin says that he is only getting refusals now. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you tried anyone in Sadius's camp? The king asked eagerly. No, Adolin said, but he's only got one shardbearer other than himself. Amaram. Kaladin felt a shiver. Well, you won't be dueling him, Dalinar said, chuckling. We might have him on our side. I've been speaking to High Lord Amaram. You think you can get him to secede? The king asked. Is that possible? Kaladin asked, surprised. The light eyes turned to him. Navani blinked as if noticing him for the first time. Yes, it is possible, Dalinar said. Most of the territory that Amaram oversees would remain with Sadius, but he could bring his personal land to my princedom, along with his shards. Usually, it requires a land trade with a princedom bordering the one a high lord wishes to join. It hasn't happened in over a decade, Adolin said, shaking his head. I'm working on him, Dalinar said. But Amaram, he wants to bring Sadius and me together instead. He thinks we can get along again. Adolin snorted. That possibility blew away the day Sadius betrayed us. Probably long before that day, Dalinar said, even if I didn't see it. Kaladin states that the Shardbearers may be boycotting Adolin's request to duel, and Dalinar agrees and says they have to focus on undermining Sadius. Kaladin asks to speak asks to speak with Dalinar in private. So, soldier, Dalinar said as they walked, what is it you wanted to discuss? Kaladin took a deep breath. 
A year ago, I was a soldier in Amaram's army. So that's where you learned. I should have guessed. Amaram is the only general in Sadius's princedom with any real leadership ability. Sir, Kaladin said, stopping on the steps. He betrayed me and my men. Dalinar stopped and turned to look at him. A poor battle decision, then? Nobody is perfect, soldier. If he sent your men into a bad situation, I doubt he'd intended, he intended to do so. He'd never spoken of this, not in full, not even to Rock, Teft, and the others. It wasn't that, sir. I know where Amram got his shard blade. I was there. I killed the shardbearer carrying it. That can't be the case, Dalinar said slowly. If you had, you'd hold the plate and blade. Amaram took it for himself, then slaughtered everyone who knew the truth. Everyone but a lone soldier who, in his guilt, Amaram branded a slave and sold rather than murdering. Dalinar stood in silence. Amaram is one of the best men I know, Dalinar said. His honor is spotless. I've never even known him to take undue advantage of an opponent in a duel, despite cases when it would have been acceptable. Do you have any proof, Dalinar asked? You understand that I can't take one man's word on something of this nature. One dark-eyed man's word, you mean, Kaladin said. It is not the color of your eyes that is the problem, but the severity of your accusation. The words you speak are dangerous. Do you have any proof, soldier? There were others there when he took the shards. Men of his personal guard did the actual killing in his command, and there was a storm warden there, middle-aged, with a peaked face. He wore a beard like an ardent. They were all complicit in the act, but maybe... Dalinar sighed softly in the night. Have you spoken this accusation to anyone else? No. Continue to hold your tongue. I'll talk to Amaram. Thank you for telling me of this. Sir, if you, if you really believe in justice, you... That's enough for the moment, son. You've had your say, unless you can offer me anything else by way of evidence. Kaladin forced down his immediate burst of anger. I appreciated your input when we were talking about my son's duels earlier. This is the second time you've added something important to one of our conferences, I believe. Thank you, sir. But soldier, you're walking quite a line between helpfulness and insubordination in the way you treat me and mine. You have a chip on your shoulder the size of a boulder. I ignore it because I know what was done to you, and I can see the soldier beneath. That's the man I hired for this job. Kaladin ground his teeth and nodded. Yes, sir. Good. Now run along. Sir, but I must escort. I think I'll return to the palace, Dalinar said. I don't think I'll get much sleep tonight, so I might want to pester the dowager with my thoughts. Her guards can watch over me. I'll take one with me when I return to my camp. Kaladin let out a long breath, then saluted. Kaladin turned and walked back toward Dalinar's work camp. Syl flitted up and handed on his, landed on his shoulder. See, she said. He listened. No, he didn't, Syl. What? He replied and said, I told him something he didn't want to hear. Even if he does look into it, he'll find plenty of reasons to dismiss what I said. In the end, it will be my word against Amaram's. Kaladin... You didn't mention that you refused the blade and plate. I shouldn't have said anything. You'd let it go then? Storms no. I'd find my own justice. Oh, Syl settled on his shoulder. You're not a skybreaker, Kaladin, Syl finally said. You're not supposed to be like this. A what? he asked. That was one of the orders, wasn't it? Yes, Syl said, voice, said, voice soft. I'm worried about you, Kaladin. I thought things would be better once you were free from the bridges. Things are better, he said. None of my men have been killed since we were freed. But you... She didn't seem to know what else to say. I thought you might be like the person you were before. I can remember a man on a field of battle. A man who fought. That man is dead, Sil, Kaladin said. During my time as a bridgeman, all I had to worry about was my men. Now things are different. I have to become someone. I just don't know who yet. Kaladin returns to his barracks and notices a new Herdazian crew member there. 
Do I know you? He asked. Oh, don't mind Punio. Lopin called from nearby. He's my cousin. You had a cousin on one. <laughs> you had a cousin on the bridge cruise? Kaladin asked. Nah, he just heard my mother say we needed more guards, so he came to help. I got him a uniform and things. The newcomer Punio smiled and raised his spoon. Bridge four, he said. Are you a soldier? Kaladin asked him. Yes, the man said. Bright Lord Royan, yeah, Bright Lord Ro Royan's army. No, not worry. I swore to Colin instead now for my cousin. He smiled affably. You can't just leave your army, Punio. Kaladin said, rubbing his forehead. It's called desertion. Not for us, Lopin called. We're Herdazian. Nobody can tell us apart anyway. Yes, Punio said. I leave for the homeland once a year. When I come back, nobody remembers me. He shrugged. This time, I come here. Fine. Just pretend you were one of the bridgemen from the start, all right? Bridge four, the man said enthusiastically. <laughs> Shen approaches him. Shen, Kaladin asked. Sir. Shen continued to stare at him. Is there something you wanted? Kaladin asked. Am I really bridge four? Shen asked. Of course you are. Where is my spear? Kaladin looked Shen in the eyes. What do you think? I think that I am not Bridge Four, Shen said. I am Bridge Four's slave. It was like a punch to Kaladin's gut. He'd hardly heard a dozen words out of the man during their time together. And now this? I appreciate your help when we were scavenging. I know it was difficult for you to see what we did down there sometimes. Shen waited. I can't start arming Parshman, Shen, Kaladin said. The Light Eyes barely accept us as it is. If I gave you a spear, think of the storm it would cause. Shen nodded. He stood up straight. A slave I am, then. He withdrew. Mm. What a mess. He got two bites down before Nadam, one of the men who'd been guarding at the palace, came stumbling into their camp, sweating, frantic, and red-cheeked from running. The king, the Toms Nadam said, puffing. An assassin! Are you kidding me? Chapter 23. Are you assassin. kidding me? It has Kaladin's symbol, and the epigraph reads, Nightform predicting what will be, the form of shadows mine to foresee. As the gods did leave, the nightform whispered, A new storm will come some day to break, a new storm, a new world to make, a new storm, a new path to take. The nightform listens. From the Listener's Song of Secrets, 17th stanza. And this chapter starts with a very simple sentence, Mango. And that sentence is, The king was fine. Kaladin returns to the king's quarters to find that everyone is okay and that there is no pending danger. Kaladin and Moash go out to the balcony and find one of the railings torn loose where Elokar had leaned on it and almost fallen to his death, barely being rescued by a guard. Kaladin finds a joint that had been cut clean through and discusses his findings privately with Dalinar. Sir, Kaladin said, I should have... This wasn't your fault. The king wasn't under your care. Even if he was, I wouldn't reprimand you, just as I won't reprimand Idrin. I wouldn't expect bodyguards to inspect architecture. Yes, sir. You like to take responsibility for things, don't you? A commendable attribute to an officer. What is your assessment? Someone definitely chipped at the mortar and sabotaged the railing. Delinar nodded. I agree. This was a deliberate attempt on the king's life. However, sir... Yes? Whoever tried this is an idiot. How could they know where the king would lean, or even that he would? This trap could easily have caught someone else, and then the would-be assassins would have exposed themselves for nothing. In fact, that is what happened. The king survived, and now we're aware of, aware of them. Assuming, there are, uh, eh, assuming these are the same people who planted those flawed gemstones in the king's armor, they prefer non-confrontational methods. It's not that they're idiots. They're... They're cowards, Kaladin realized. They want to make the assassination look like an accident. They're timid. 
They may have waited this long so that suspicion would die down. Yes. This time, though, they made a big mistake. How? Kellinan walked to the cut section he had inspected earlier and knelt down to rub the smooth section. What cuts iron so cleanly? It's supposed to look like the joint came apart, I guess. I'd guess. And does it? Kaladin asked. No. That was a shard blade. Narrows down our suspects a tad, I'd think. Dalinar nodded. Don't tell anyone else. We'll hide that we noticed the shard blade cut. Maybe gain an edge. It's too late to pretend that we think this was an accident, but we don't have to reveal everything. Yes, sir. The king is insisting that I put you in charge of guarding him. We might have to move up our timetable for that. I'm not ready, Kaladin said. My men are stretched thin with the duties they already have. I know. This was done by someone on the inside, you realize. The king's own chambers? That means a servant. Or one of his guards. Men in the king's guard might have had access to his armor, too. I don't know whom I can trust these days. Can I trust you, Kaladin Stormblessed? Yes, I swear it. Dalinar nodded. I'm going to relieve Idrin of his post and assign him to a command in my army. It will sate the king, but I'll make certain Idrin knows he isn't being punished. I suspect he'll enjoy the new command more anyway. Yes, sir. I'll ask him for his best men, and those will be under your command for now. Use them as little as possible. I eventually want the king being guarded only by men from the bridge crews. Men you trust. Men who have no part in war camp politics. Choose carefully. I don't want to replace potential traitors with former thieves who can be easily bought. Yes, sir. I don't know what else to do. A man needs to be able to trust his own guards. Sir, this wasn't the assassination attempt you were expecting, was it? No. I agree with your assessment. This wasn't the work of someone who knows what they're doing. Considering how contrived it was, I'm actually surprised at how close it came to working. If Sadius decides to strike, or worse, the assassin who claimed my brother's life, it will not go so well for us. The storm is yet to come. Kaladin hears Elokar's complaints about not being protected adequately and thinks the guard does not display proper composure, then decides that he should focus on guarding the king and not judging him. And that is where we will leave off for this week. Okay. Yeah, I figured if I left off this week with an assassin and then started next week with the king was fine, that would be a little, uh... Yeah. I just I wanted to get that in in the same episode. I didn't want to leave you on that and then just kind of immediately undercut it. But I love the visual of Elokar leaning against the railing and then just <laughs> fucking going, going like fucking he's falling like or he's about to fall. But yes, uh, da- uh, Kaladin told Dalinar about what happened. I feel like if they made the Stormlight Archive into like a cartoon, Elokar mm. would have all of the like comic relief we should have two episodes left in this part okay we'll see what dalinar decides to do with the information that he was given i guess we will next week um there's that chapter there's this chapter there's oh 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 okay uh next week no um, Mm, careful i'm gonna be very careful next week Somebody will show an extreme interest in Kaladin's boots. I'm sorry, what? Somebody will show an extreme interest in Kaladin's boots. Oh, are they the boots he stole from that one dude at the beginning of the first book? No, these are now real boots. These Uh, are now like uniform boots, but somebody will show an extreme interest in them. Is that an innuendo? No, I'm I'm being very literal. Why? Uh, You'll find out. It's one, I, it's a very, I very much enjoy that scene. I think it's really good. You'll see. Um, for now, 
You guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. Everything that I do is on there. Uh, you guys can join our Discord server. The link to do that is in the episode description. It's also pinned the pinned tweet on our Twitter account. You guys can follow us on Twitter at, at @speakstormlight. You guys can email us at speakthewordsasp at gmail.com. And uh, our art was done by our good friend Alex. That's Alt at Alex underscore Beeg Boy. That's at A L X underscore B E E G B E E G B O I. So yes, uh, Mango, why don't you go ahead and send us off? Life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination.